Hi, and welcome to Seeking the Gospel Truth. I'm Giselle Aguiar, and every Sunday is Psalm Sunday. I'll be reading one or two psalms and explaining how they point to Jesus Christ and the good news of his true salvation and or Bible prophecy. I'll also show you how to pray the psalms. I pray that as you hear God's word, it will inspire you to study the Bible daily for yourself. Seek the truth. I pray that God opens your heart, eyes, and mind to understand what the Holy Spirit is trying to tell you. As you become rooted in the word, you'll also be rooted in the hope, joy, and peace that only the living God, Jesus Christ, could give. Be blessed. Praying the Psalms, chapters 1 and 2, A Meeting with God. The book of Psalms is like no other in the Bible. Its title in Hebrew literally means Book of Praise. Join me each Sunday to learn how to pray the Psalms. Something special happens when you pray God's words back to him. Each week, we'll do one or two psalms in order through the book. Let's dig in. So let me tell you a little bit about the book of Psalms first. As we go through these, I want you to see Jesus in each psalm. The book of Psalms is known as a Psalter. It's divided into five books. Moreover, there are seven types of psalms. Laments, thanksgiving, enthronement, pilgrimage, royal, wisdom, and imprecatory. I knew I was going to mess that up. That means judgment. And we'll see those. We'll see those in today's. Pastor Sandy Adams explains, the Psalms were written out of every possible human situation and emotion. They teach us how to relate to God in any situation. Think of it this way. Genesis to Esther is full of movements, places, dates, and decrees. It records Hebrew history, the steps of their feet. But the Psalms provide us the beat of their heart. It's a diary of devotion. The book of Psalms chronicles the inner life of the nation Israel, their spiritual struggles and victories. Picture the Psalms as the EKG readout as God's people take the stress test called life. Hebrew tradition says these five divisions were intended to correspond with the first five books of the Bible, the Law of Moses, and there would be no better way to begin a reading of the law than with Psalm 1. And that again was from Pastor Sandy Adams. And if you want to click on over to my blog, the link is in the show notes. You can click on his name and uh, check out um, his message on um, these chapters. Psalm 1. Oh, the joys of those who do not follow the advice of the wicked, or stand around with sinners, or join in with mockers. But they delight in the law of the Lord, meditating on it day and night. They are like trees planted along the riverbank, bearing fruit each season. Their leaves never wither, and they prosper in all they do. But not the wicked. They are like worthless chaff, scattered by the wind. They will be condemned at the time of judgment. Sinners will have no place among the godly. For the Lord watches over the path of the godly. But the path of the wicked leads to destruction. That is Psalm 1. Short, sweet, and to the point. The NIV and the NKJV versions start with blessed, similar to Jesus' Sermon on the Mount found in Matthew 5. Blessed literally means happy, 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 and very happy. In other words, 
don't listen to the wrong voices. Don't hang out with the wrong people. This is the best advice ever. Do you look at your life through the right worldview? A truly happy person is surrounded by people with the same biblical worldview. When you sync your life with Jesus, you automatically get hope, peace, and joy that truly surpasses all understanding. Meditating on God's word means instead of emptying your mind, you fill it with his words. You ponder them or mull them over. The Bible is not meant to be read in a hurry and say you did it. No, it's meant to be studied, to contemplate what God is trying to say to you. The river. Well, Jesus is the river of life. When you plant yourself firmly by the riverside, your roots will grow deep, seeking the living water. Only Jesus can provide that. Remember the Samaritan woman? And if you don't remember the Samaritan woman, you can click on over to my blog and click where it says Samaritan woman. And you can check that story out. Jesus quenches our spiritual thirst. That living water also helps us produce fruit and we will never wither. Sure, storms will come, the wind will blow, but those with deep roots bend and don't topple over. I've witnessed my fair share of hurricanes. And if tree roots stay near the surface looking for drips of water, when that storm and winds come, they'll fall over. In fact, a very uh, interesting picture of trees toppled over. And the problem is, is that um, they don't get watered deeply or they're not near a, a river or a living water source. A tree with shallow roots topples over easily. So grow your roots deep in the faith so that the storms of life don't knock you over. And, um, and a tree planted near living water flourishes. Now, what's this about the chaff? Because unless you're a farmer and you happen to grow wheat, you really don't know what chaff is. Um, chaff is a part of the wheat that's basically dead. And um, uh, if you want to click on over my blog, I have a picture um, from Good News Productions, GNPI, from uh, Free Bible Im Images, of, uh, that depicts Jesus um, uh, at, a, at a threshing floor winnowing the wheat. Um, uh, and so, and actually John the Baptist introduced Jesus both in Matthew 3 and in Luke 3 by saying this, um, quote, he is ready to separate the chaff from the wheat with his winnowing fork. Then he will clean up the threshing area, gathering the wheat into his barn, but burning the chaff with never ending fire. So who's the chaff? Well, the wicked, evil people who reject God and are not born again. In Revelation 21, 8, Jesus clearly tells us who will be allowed into heaven and who will not. And um, uh, so um, chapter 8, uh, I, I love Revelation 21. It's, that is our confident hope that we, we have a new heaven and a new earth. Um, but uh, verse 8 is very clear. But cowards, unbelievers, the corrupt, murderers, the immoral, those who practice witchcraft, idol worshipers, and all liars, their faith is in the fiery lake of burning sulfur. This is the second death. <sighs> How do you pray Psalm 1? Well, here's a sample prayer, and you can replace uh, words to fit your life and situation. 
So um, I would pray, thank you, Lord, for blessing me because I don't follow the advice of the wicked or hang out with sinners or join in with mockers. Thank you that I can delight in your word and think about it day and night. Thank you for planting me along the river of your living water. I am fruitful and will never wither. Because of you, I will prosper in everything I do. I am comforted that the wicked are already condemned and will not be allowed into heaven. Thank you for guiding my path and sending the wicked to their destruction. Amen. All right, let's go on to Psalm 2. Psalm 2 is a psalm of David, but prophetic of Jesus. More than likely, David wrote this during war, but it speaks of more than the battle back then. It's a prophecy of Jesus' second coming when he'll destroy all the nations who hate Israel. And we'll cover this actually next Saturday. So subscribe so you don't miss out. So here's Psalm 2. Why are the nations so angry? And you could say that for that right now. Why do they waste their time with futile plans? The kings of the earth prepare for battle. The rulers plot together against the Lord and against his anointed one, the Messiah. Let us break their chains, they cry, and free ourselves from slavery to God. But the one who rules in heaven laughs. The Lord scoffs at them. Then in anger, he rebukes them, terrifying them with his fierce fury. For the Lord declares, I have placed my chosen king on the throne in Jerusalem or Zion on my holy mountain. The king proclaims the Lord's decree. The Lord said to me, you are my son. Today I have become your father. Only ask and I will give you the nations as your inheritance, the whole earth as your possession. You will break them with an iron rod and smash them like clay pots. Now then, you kings, act wisely. Be warned, you rulers of the earth. Serve the Lord with reverent fear rejoicing, and rejoice with trembling. Submit to God's royal son or he will become angry and you will be destroyed in the midst of your activities. For his anger flares up in an instant. But what joy! for all who take refuge in him. That is Psalm 2. And um, here's the comment by Pastor Sandy Adams. This depicts the end of the age when the armies of the Antichrist rally to the Valley of Megiddo to fight against the true Christ. They will have seen the sign of the sun in the clouds and they intend to war against him. What a vain, empty ambition to prevent Jesus, the Lord of glory, from returning to earth to take what rightly belongs to him. But that's the point of the Psalm. Rebellion against God is the ultimate insanity. This is sheer arrogance. Man wants to break from God's authority and shed himself of God's rules and restraint. This is the source of man's rebellion. People don't want anyone telling them what to do. A proud man bucks at any limitations on his freedom. In the end times, this attitude may take the form of a, a UN resolution, an official formal conspiracy against God. Today, it's a spiritual rebellion. God laughs at man's defiance, but rebellion against God is no laughing matter for mankind. Again, that's from Pastor Sandy Adams. And here's another quote. Um, as though man who's orbited some hardware in space can compete with a God who has orbited a hundred million galaxies. As though man who has solved a few subtleties of the atom and managed to scare, scare himself half to death in the process 
can compete with a god who stokes the nuclear fires of a billion stars. No wonder he that sits in the heavens simply laughs. And that's, that's a quote from John Phillips, who's a Bible commenter. So how do you, play, how do you pray Psalms 2? You probably thought that this one doesn't serve well as a prayer, but you're wrong. <sighs> Dear Lord, why are the nations so angry? I know you rule from heaven and that you're in control. You're laughing at these leaders who think they can run the world. Soon you will rebuke them. King Jesus, you are the son, the Messiah, who will come back to rule the world. You hold the world and the nations in your hands. I will serve you with reverent fear and respect. I rejoice and submit to you, Jesus, my savior, Lord, and King. Thank you for being my place of refuge. Amen. And it's funny. Um, I remember singing the song, he's got the whole world in his hands. And I have a picture of Jesus holding the world in his hand. Um, I remember singing that song in school. You know, he got the whole world in his hands. He's got the whole wide world in his hands. He's got the whole world in his hands. He's got the whole world in his hands. You remember singing that, I'm sure. Anyway, if you're American. Well, we believed it back then. And we need to keep believing it now. So read these Psalms again. Get yourself a journal or blank book so you can write down your prayers. Keep them handy. Read them aloud day and night. They'll encourage you in the morning and give you peace to sleep at night. In fact, the next two specifically speak about sleeping. Subscribe so you don't miss out. Well, there are 150 Psalms and we'll cover all of them. Come along for the ride. But a question first. Do you have a relationship with Jesus? You know, he told us in Revelation 3.20, look, I stand at the door and knock. If you hear my voice and open the door, I will come in and we will share a meal together as friends. He wants to be your friend. He's knocking at the door of your heart. Isn't it, time about, isn't it about time you let him in? So invite Jesus into your heart and receive the gift of grace and the confident hope of eternal life. If you don't know what to say, you don't know what to do, there's a prayer in the show notes, or you can click on over to my blog and click where it says how to invite Jesus into your heart or how to know Jesus, either, either one. And in the bottom of today's blog, um, I have uh, four videos, um, uh, three of them from Spoken Gospel regarding these two Psalms and the Book of Psalms in general. And uh, uh, the other one is uh, from the Bible Project, also an overview of Psalms. So you can really understand what's going on with these, okay? So, I mean, the, the Bible wasn't given to us so that we can, again, just read it and, and go and say we did it. Okay, I read the Bible, I read the Bible. Okay, no, you know, or just listening to it on, on Sunday, you know, from a priest or a preacher. Okay, no, it's not enough. You need to study the Bible, you need to understand the Bible. God gave it to us so that we can understand it. It is understandable, okay? I know some churches tell you like, oh, no, 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 you, the Bible's too difficult to understand. That's a bunch of baloney, okay? That is a bunch of baloney, okay? Search through the archives of my podcasts, and I've got Bible studies on just about every book of the Bible, um, Old Testament, New Testament. So please just... Um, Read the Bible, study the Bible. It's God's word to you. Soli Deo Gloria, to God alone be the glory.
If you're just starting to read the Bible and prefer to hold a book in your hands rather than use an app, it's a good idea to get a study Bible. But which version or translation is best? There are too many to choose from. As a former Catholic, it helped me to have a Bible translation in plain, everyday English. When I first started going back to church, a well-meaning friend told me to get a King James Version. Well, guess what? I got frustrated with the these and the thousands, stopped reading it, totally defeating the purpose. Eventually, I got the New International Version, and that was great for a new Christian to get into the habit of reading the Bible daily. Today, I also study from the New Living Translation. I'm an affiliate of Christian Book Distributors, and I've chosen two study Bibles that would be great for the new Christian believer. Check them out. The link is in the show notes. Thank you for listening to this episode. I pray that the Holy Spirit, the author of Scripture, touched your heart to reveal the gospel truth that our hope of salvation is through Jesus Christ alone. If you have any comments or questions, feel free to reach out to me via my website or social media. I encourage you to read the Bible daily and seek the truth for yourself. I recommend that you download two free Bible study apps, the YouVersion Bible app and Through the Word. Friends, we are living in strange, crazy times, the last days, the end times. But know that things aren't falling apart, they are falling into place. Jesus said in Revelation 3, 20-22, Look, I stand at the door and knock. If you hear my voice and open the door, I will come in, and we will share a meal together as friends. Those who are victorious will sit with me on my throne, just as I was victorious and sat with my father on his throne. Anyone with ears to hear must listen to the Spirit and understand what he is saying to the churches. Jesus is knocking. It's up to you to open the door. Peter told us in 2 Peter 3.9, The Lord isn't really being slow about his promise, as some people think. No, he is being patient for your sake. He does not want anyone to be destroyed or perish, but wants everyone to repent. Jesus is coming back soon. Are you ready? Repent of your sins and invite Jesus into your heart right now. If you don't know what to say, there's a prayer in the show notes and on my blog. Jesus said in Matthew 24, 14, and the good news about the kingdom will be preached throughout the whole world so that all nations will hear it and then the end will come. Soli Deo Gloria, to God alone be the glory.